Hello, my friends. This is Rick Thomas, and you're listening to the Life Over Coffee podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I am building a video and doing the podcast at the same time. I'm glad that you are here. If you happen to be watching the video on our YouTube or Rumble channels, if you would subscribe to either one of those channels, I really would appreciate it. And of course, if you're listening by podcast, please make sure that you follow. And then, of course, our stipulation is, is that if you benefit from our resources, then you need to share them with 1,000 of your closest friends. I am very glad that you are here. This is episode 410, and the title of this episode is, How Can I Know? A person, a place, or a thing will not disappoint me. I want to talk about our number one antagonist, the thing that we are afraid of the most, and that thing is fear. Fear is the most oft appeal in the New Testament, or in the entire Bible for that matter, uh, where you're constantly seeing some kind of refrain that says something like, Fear not. We are afraid of so many. Uh, we are afraid of so many things, and making a mistake is probably at the top of most people's list of things that I don't want to happen because we are afraid. And so the question is, how can I know with absolutely? absolute certainty that the person that I meet will not disappoint me. The place that I go will not be uh, have a disappointing outcome or the thing that I do, that it will be the right thing and it will lead to the right result, whether it's a person, place, or thing. The question is, will I be disappointed? Because the underlying question is, or the underlying concern is, is I am afraid. Now, unfortunately, too many people have experienced hurt too many times. And what happens if we're not careful, if we don't guard our hearts, we can relegate our lives to a lesser life that will keep us. It's a way of, it's a self-reliant way of guarding ourselves from future disappointment. And when I say it's a self-reliant way and a lesser life, I don't mean to put anyone on a guilt trip or to shame anyone because I know that you can be disappointed so many times that that can be the temptation. You'll hear it sometimes when when a, a teenager breaks up with their boyfriend or girlfriend and, and they say, I will never love again, or a person goes through a horrific divorce and they say, I will never get married again. Well, maybe they shouldn't get married again. I don't know, but we do want to make sure that we don't overreact and we settle for a lesser life that God would not want us to settle, but we settle for that lesser life because we are afraid of a future mistake. And so therefore I have titled this this Life Over Coffee episode is 410. And again, it's how can I know a person, a place, or thing won't disappoint me? What we're talking about here also, in essence, is biblical decision-making, how to make the right decision. But it's not just making the right decision. It is stepping out in faith, having a feisty, optimistic faith that really is focusing more on the goodness and kindness of God than whatever past problems we may have encountered that dampens our faith. We always want to be faith-filled people. 
And so if you want to watch the video, uh, you can find the video inside these show notes, episode 410. The podcast is also embedded there as well. I have a number of other links that are here too. And so if you really want to do some research on fear and faith and disappointment and decision making, then I would encourage you uh, to get on episode 410, the show notes that I have here, and it will really benefit you. But then again, if you're watching by Rumble or YouTube, thank you so much for doing that. You can go in the description of those uh, channels, YouTube and Rumble, and you can get the link that will take you to these show notes, episode 410, and also you'll find it in the description of of the podcast. All right, so before I get into uh, episode 410, I do want to give you a couple of updates because people have asked, and I want to do that as often as and appropriately as I can. Uh, we are in our rebranding phase, and so we are moving in that uh, down that process nicely, and things are going very well. Uh, we have just started the build for our new rebranded website. We started it on April the 25th. Uh, that would be uh, 2022 and it's going to take us several months to actually get it built because in order to rebrand everything has to change and we have like 10,000 graphics on our website uh, our website is not a billboard that points to something else like a billboard on the side of the road that points to a factory or points to a a business uh, on circle drive or main street usa no our website is the factory it is the sanctification center and so therefore it is full of resources and so in order to make any kind of change to our website it, it typically it can be a monumental task and this one is. We are rebranding, we are rebuilding the entire website, removing my name off of it, which is something that I am just extremely excited about. And I'll talk more about that later. I have uh, shared a lot about it in other uh, in other contexts. But let's just say I'm excited that my name is coming down finally after all these years. And we'll have a name that really represents who we are and more of a team ministry, which is what we have. And so I'm excited about that. And so hopefully within a few months, we'll be able to uh, invite you all into, We'll have, maybe we'll have an open house and just invite you into our sanctification center. Now, with that in mind, also, thing number two that I want to mention, I want to share with you a couple of uh, testimonies that people have written in. We don't solicit, we don't ask for testimonies, but people uh, voluntarily just just write and they share with us what God is doing in their lives through this ministry. And I want to read a couple of those. Uh, Rachel said this, she said, I recently found your page because someone I follow on Facebook posted one of your quotes. I subscribe to your podcast, Life Over Coffee. Thank you so much, Rachel, for subscribing. Now, remember, uh, you need to uh, share that. You need to let 10,000 of your closest friends know that they need to su su subscribe as well. She said, I subscribe to your Life Over Coffee podcast. I listen to about three a day. That's called gluttony, but that's okay. Uh, I'm glad that you're doing it. She says, I have learned so much from 
from each one. My husband has also been listening to them. Thank you so much, hubby. And we are both encouraged. I come from a huge family and have shared and told everyone I know about this podcast. Exactly. That's what I want you to do. I just wanted to encourage you by letting you know uh, how much your ministry is blessing us. Rachel, thank you so much for that kind, uh, unsolicited testimony. And then Erin wrote this in. She says, thank you for sharing God's work in your life because of your suffering. I praise God for you that through the wisdom and insight he provides in his word, you have communicated so practically with clarity. I'm thankful you have made this teaching and training accessible to those who are seeking it. And that's really what I wanted to highlight in Aaron's uh, encouragement here. Uh, thank you for making this training accessible to those who are seeking it. And that is key. It's really for those who are seeking it. And there are a number of people like Aaron and Rachel and Rachel's husband and Rachel's family. Uh, Aaron goes on to say, you are doing priceless work and eternal impact. I pray that he continues to faithfully guide this ministry to reach those who need it in his perfect ordaining. Thank you so much, Aaron, for that kind note. Also, Rachel, thank you for your encouraging words, too. Now, one of the reasons I share this is because uh, some of you are, uh, all of you are missionally minded. I don't think anybody would be listening to these podcast or reading our resources if they did not have a missional mindset that they want to impact lives with the practical message of Christ. But then some of you, not all, but some of you are able to help us to do this, to impact lives like Rachel and Aaron. And so those are the ones that I'm speaking to at this moment because I, I don't want to guilt trip anybody. I don't want anybody to give uh, to our ministry uh, or to donate financially to our ministry. I don't want you to do that uh, unless you believe that you can partner with us and help us to do uh, exactly what Rachel and Aaron is, are saying. And so please do not give. Please do not donate unless you are not just a missionally minded person, but you you have the means, you actually have the means, you're stewarding the Father's money, and you're in a place in your life to where you can give. Now, that's the person that I, I want, and I want to be very clear about that because I don't want to guilt anybody. I absolutely don't want you to give at all. Do not donate to our ministry. But if you are missionally minded and you are in a place to where you can support our ministry, that's why I wanted you to hear what Rachel and Aaron had to say, and if you're able to support us, just hit the donate link on our website and you can find out how to do that. Rachel and Aaron, thank you so much again for those kind words. Episode 410, how can I know a person, place, or thing won't disappoint me? What the too often hurt person does is they, they do resign themselves to this this lesser life. And when they retract, when they recoil, they don't recognize that by doing that, they are actually, they're trying to guard against disappointment. But when they retract or recoil, they're actually settling into one long life of disappointment because they don't want to 
encounter a momentary disappointment, so they just choose to live one long stretch of a disappointed life. There is irony here, and it's important for us to to see that. It's like saying that I don't want to experience hurt in a relationship again. I am the teenager, and I have broken up with my girlfriend, my boyfriend, And so I'm never going to date again. I'm never going to have another relationship. What they're doing, it it sounds smart or it sounds like common sense in the moment that I don't want to have this uh, hurt in the future. And so therefore, what are you really saying? I'm just going to live a life of isolation. Well, what you're saying is I'm going to live a life that is contrary to what it means to be an image maker in part by being in community, and so I'm just going to isolate myself and not partake of all the benefits and the reciprocality of what it means to be in relationship. But sometimes we will accept, like say, an incarcerated life of isolation over the potential of momentary relational hurt. Now, that is a problem. And there's two aspects to that that I want to highlight because we do make those decisions because, again, we are afraid. Fear is an inhibitor, and we can be afraid of the people, uh, the places, or the things, and we can withdraw from those, and that can really truncate the kind of life that we could have in God and in community. And there are two things I want to highlight. One of it, part of the problem is, is a lack of understanding of how suffering is an aspect of not just the Christian life, but a life. We live in a fallen world. Paul said in Philippians 1.29 that it has been given to you on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. And so those that's the two primary elements of the Christian life packaged right there in Philippians 1.29. You receive salvation. Of course, that is that is the thing that we want. But what comes along with salvation is suffering, and we have to understand that. Because if uh, we don't understand that, we won't have a robot, robust theology of suffering, and we will live a life of recalling or retracting. In First uh, Peter two twenty one, it says that we are to walk in the steps of Christ. That he who suffered, he left us an example, so that we might walk in his steps. And so, suffering is a part of living in a fallen world, whether you're Christian or non-Christian. But for the Christian, uh, greater is he that's in us, that he is in the world, we are empowered to be overcomers. And so first of all, uh, the person who recoils or retracts, they don't really have a good understanding that suffering is part of the Christian life. And then number two, the person is more problem-centered than God-centered. And so if you were to uh, draw it out on a piece of a white paper, printing paper, you would put a, a big P in the middle of the paper where the problem is big, and then uh, the word G-O-D, God would be very small. And so that's a person that is problem-centered versus God-centered. Of course, the inversion of that is the word God or Yahweh or Jehovah would be big on that printing paper and problems would be small. I'm not saying that problems don't exist. I just got through saying that suffering is a part of our life. 
but it is a matter of where we're going to place the accent. It's not the diminishing or the vanquishing of suffering. We can't do that. That's not possible. We will suffer, but is the accent mark on the sovereignty and goodness and kindness of God, or is the accent mark on our suffering? Thus, we're back at our question. How can you vet something with 100% certainty and after you vet it, after you diagnose it, after you analyze it, you can come to the conclusion that that person, place, or thing will not disappoint me. Well, the straightforward answer is you can't. There is no way to know with 100% clarity and certainty that that person, that place, that thing will not, will not uh, disappoint you. But the answer is more profound than that. The answer to the question, how can I know with, with certainty that I'll not be disappointed? It's not just you can't know, but the real answer is that's the wrong question. That's the wrong question. If we're asking the question, how can I know that I will not be disappointed, then we're asking a fear-laced a fear-based, a fear-centered question. Common sense should already inform us that bad things happen to everyone, as I have been saying, like say in Philippians 1.29 and 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. You cannot move through life in a disappointed way, in a disappointment-free way. And so therefore, we must think more deeply. We must think with sovereignty in view. And that's why we want to be sovereignty-centered or God-centered rather than uh, problem uh, centered. And so let's say that uh, you are thinking about making a decision and you want to know if that decision is the right decision and I won't be disappointed. Well, you, you probably are going to be disappointed. And I would make the case that it is possible that God will use that disappointment to mature you and also to further his purposes along. We see that in the great illustration of Joseph, but we see it in a thousand other illustrations in the Bible as well. But as Joseph said, as you clearly know from uh, Genesis 50, 20, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. And so I would say not only do bad things happen to everyone, uh, but it is true that God will use the difficulties and challenges in our lives to mature us. And so that's a redemptive, sovereign-centered view of trouble and tragedy, but not just to mature us, but also to move his purposes, his redemptive purposes along. And so what I want to do here is I want to give you a disappointing example. I want to give you a disappointing example of something that that I did that that you could say turned out very disappointing, but that's not the view that I have uh, today. And so here's the illustration. When uh, After I became a Christian, within after the first year of becoming a Christian, God regenerated me in 1984. By 1985, I, I believe that God was had a call on my life, whatever that means, and, and that's that's another that's another talk. But whatever that means, I believe that God was calling me to do to to go into ministry, and so I was part of an independent Baptist church, and in the independent Baptist 
church if you believe that God is calling you to go into some type of ministry basically you have three options you become a pastor a missionary or an evangelist that's kind of what like what you do and that's fine that's fine and so I believe that God was calling me to something I knew that I had a purpose on my life some people some someone has once said what what are the two greatest days in your life the two greatest days in your life are the day that you were born and then the day that you figure out why you were born well those two days have come in my life. Uh, I, I have been born, praise God, and then I figured out why. I figured out my calling. Of course, part of my calling was being regenerated, but after God regenerated me, then I, I knew I was I was heading into my niche, and, and that's what we want. We want to find our spot. There is a spot for everybody in their life, and the person that lands on their spot, doing the thing that they're good at, the thing that they're called uh, to do, those are the two greatest days in your life, the day that you were born and the day you realize why you were born. And so I began to sense after salvation uh, what God was calling me to. And my uh, pastor, he recommended that I go to a fundamentalist uh, Bible college, which is here in Greenville, uh, South Carolina. It's not Bob Jones University, by the way, uh, which for those, some of you may know, it, it is a large Christian uh college university here in Greenville, South Carolina, but that's not the one. I went to a smaller fundamentalist Bible college, and based on his recommendation, I attended that college for five years. I got two degrees from that college. I got a theology, uh, a BA, a BS, and the, a BA, and I don't know what they are, a BS in theology and a BA in uh, Christian education. It's been a long time, and I don't know where those degrees are. They're in a file cabinet somewhere because I don't keep those things hanging on my wall. But anyway, I got two degrees from this fundamentalist Bible college. I went. Now, here's the question. Would I recommend this college to anyone today? The que- the answer is absolutely not. 100 times not. 100 times out of 100, I would not recommend this college to anyone. But the more significant question is, what can I learn from that disappointing recommendation? You see, he recommended that I go there. And now here it is some 30 years later, 30 plus years later, and there is no way in the world I would ever recommend that someone do what I did. But I see that thing that I did as a good thing, even though I would not recommend that anybody do it. Now, that's where we have to get to in all of our disappointing experiences. And we have to under, there are things that we have to understand. And I want to walk through eight things. I want to walk through a process of how I got to the place to where I went to a place that I benefited from. And I'm glad that I went but I would not recommend that anybody do what I did. That sounds contradictory, but isn't that the way a lot of things happen to us? Uh, We meet a person, place, or thing. In this case, I went to a a place, and it, it was right at the time, but then as time progresses, we recognize it's not right anymore, and there's no way that I would do it again, or would I suggest that anybody do it again? And that's where a disappointing situation can really be redemptive, and it can calls us to continue to mature and be optimistic in our faith, knowing that God can use all situations and circumstances in our life. And so 
this disappointing example of going to a fundamentalist Bible college that I would not recommend any longer, here's eight things that I can draw from it. First of all, I had a trusted friend who loved me, my pastor, my first pastor, and he he wanted what was best for me. And so when you're making a decision, that's what you want. You want to make that decision, the big decisions. You want to make that decision in community, and you want people to be around you who have the courage uh, to say the right thing, and they won't rubber stamp you, and they're for you, and they love you. And so I made that decision in good faith, and I knew that he was in good faith. And he wanted me, he wanted the best for me. And so that was absolutely right. And then number two, I was moving in a general direction of Christian maturity. I was moving, not in a specific direction, but I was moving in a general direction. I loved God, I loved others, and I wanted to continue to grow in my faith. So I had a good friend around me who wanted what was best for me. He gave me good advice based on where he was and based on where I was at that moment. I was moving in a good general direction, and so it seemed like I needed to go continue to move forward. And that is the way that God operates in our lives. We have to work with what we have today. We can't go out in the future and and perfectly vet every outcome. You don't want to do that. And of course, we can't do that. We have to work with the information that we have today. We have good friends around us who are courageous, who will speak into our lives. We are moving in a good general direction. And then as we step into those future moments, God adds clarity to our lives. It's like what we we like to say, we're always reforming. We make our plans and God orders our steps. And so I made my plans and I moved in that direction and it was the right thing for me to do. And then number four, and so number one, I had a trusted friend. Number two, I was moving in a good journal direction. Number three, God will continue to give you clarity so you're always reforming. Number four, it's important to understand that God is the author of our story. And so we are living out our lives by faith, faith in him, not faith in all of the not faith in trying to make the perfect decision, not faith in trying to know exactly how this thing is going to end up. Some people are like that. Their faith is not in God. Their faith is in knowing the outcome because they're so fearful, which is what I'm talking about in this podcast. They're so tentative that they can't move forward because they have to know how things are going to roll out before they take that step. Well, that step of faith is faith in their own self-reliance. It's not God-reliance. And so I had a trusted friend who was for me. I was moving in a general direction of loving God and loving others. I knew that I would be always reforming, progressive sanctification, making my plans. God would order my steps. I knew that God would order my steps, that God is the author of my story. And then number five, I stepped out in faith. 
And faith in God is an optimistic faith. It is a feisty faith, realizing that God is up to something. And so I wanted to go to Greenville, South Carolina, because God was there, and God was up to something in my life. And so when I did step out, I stepped out with a feisty, optimistic faith. And then number six, God used a lot of suffering. When I got to Greenville, there was more suffering and more disappointment in my life collectively than at any point in my life prior. And it's kind of like when Joseph got to Egypt, the disappointment just really compounded. And there are other people where God had led them to a place, and when they got to that place, the disappointment happened. God led Elijah down to a brook, and the disappointment happened. God led Elijah to a widow woman who was getting ready to die, and the disappointment happened. But you, you, you follow God by faith and not with cynicism, not with suspicion, but suffering and disappointment happens. But if you are aware that God is the author of your story, you know he is in the suffering. He meant it for good, even though they meant it for evil. And so number six, he may use suffering when you get into that future point, as when I got into Green, got down to Greenville, South Carolina, he may use suffering and disappointment to move his purposes along. And then number seven, I must continue to grow in sovereign clarity. Okay, I'm here. I met disappointment that I did not anticipate. God, you're the author of the story. What are you up to? And then number eight, and this is critical, you have to resist letting bitterness, cynicism, and anger and grumbling entrap your mind or entrap my mind because that is the temptation and that is the tension. I would love for you to look at these this eight sequential steps that I've laid out here in these show notes. This is episode 410. The question is, how can I know a person, a place, a thing won't disappoint me? The answer is you can't know and you're asking the wrong question. God is leading you and so what does it mean to be a God-centered person? You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.